Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast, where we chat all things leadership and personal development related, absolutely authentically and unscripted. On this podcast, my guests and I are going to introduce you to ideas and concepts that show how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage and motivate you on your journey to becoming a legendary leader yourself with more impact, influence and inspiration. So, are you ready for it? Welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I am the host of this show. I'm pretty sure you are familiar with the show by now and you hopefully have enjoyed the insights, the stories, the experiences from all these amazing guests that we've had on the show and today's guest is no exception. Her name is Britt Bolnick and Britt is just such a force of nature, such an inspiration as well. Imagine you grew up in quite rough New York at these times, right? 70s, 80s, New York has certainly not been the way it is nowadays where you feel kind of safe, at least as safe as you can feel in a a very, very large multi-million city. It was rough. It was dangerous in many, many districts. And um, you really had to be careful, right? And, And look out for yourself. Now, imagine you are a teenager in the early teens and you live on the streets and you are surrounded by all this danger. You are kind of a rebel, right? You become a drug addict and you simply go down a path that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily choose by themselves, right? And you are surrounded by other teenagers who may not even survive this path that they have been on. That is really, really tough. I cannot imagine what it actually is like because I have never experienced something like this. But the way Britt talks about it um, was really heartbreaking for me. That combined with another really incredible challenge that she has experienced at a later stage in her life after her daughter was born and her partner and the dad of the daughter ran out the door is I think the second challenge not everyone would take in a very positive way and think about as a first thing at least, what can I do now with this experience? How can I get out of it and be a better person to myself, to my daughter and to others? But that's exactly what this lady did. And I had a few goosebump moments during the recording because I honestly cannot comprehend how someone has so much strength, so much willpower, but so much love and care inside of her to get there. It's been truly, truly amazing to listen to Brit. As an outcome of her challenges, she has actually taken things uh, into her own hands, created opportunities and formed multiple businesses. One of them being In Arms Coaching. And it's just such a wonderful name for a coaching business as well. Like you want to be taken into your arms and be supported and be cared for. And that's what she does. But in her own challenging and direct way, which I absolutely love, she brings all these important skills together. And she also um, created Pity Posse Rescue, a groundbreaking dog rescue nonprofit business. And around those two businesses, she formed large teams to help her with it all, right? And what does she do now? She is a six-figure business coach and speaker who is deeply in service to women who are fully committed to building a business they truly love, right? That's not just there to help them survive and get through it and pay the bills. They really, really love. 
that is lucrative at the same time, that's really joyful and leaves them time to do all the other things they love in their life. Brit is an absolute role model. She has created exactly that. She manages her businesses in under 40 hours a week. She's got time for her now 15-year-old daughter and seven-year-old stepkid. She has time to enjoy her social life. And that is really one key area of her business. She helps other women to do exactly the same, to share tips and tricks and resources, to learn how to do that as well. And she does that in an incredible, authentic way that is just contagious. It definitely was for me. I can highly recommend you listen to this episode. You learn with and from Brit and by all means, get in touch with her if her story and the work she does resonates with you. So more about the show, absolutely in the show itself. So tune in and by all means, do leave your feedback with us. You know how important it is to read your reviews on iTunes and to know as to whether the shows absolutely actually help you, add value to your own leadership life, or if there's something you need more or less of. So don't really hesitate to let us know. I speak to you again in a second. Enjoy this episode. Bye. So hello and a big, 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 big welcome to Brit. Hi there. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, me too. And I'm sure the audience is as well. Thank you for joining us. Because, you know, I was so excited. I'm still excited to have you on the show for so, so many reasons. The first one is I've never had someone on the show who's got your background, your story, the challenges you have gone through. And we are going to dive into that in a moment. And you are obviously the best person to talk more about it. But also we have something very, very strong in common. And that is we help women leaders, women business owners to really create a life that's based on ease, right? And where we yeah. really enjoy what we are doing every day and don't feel overwhelmed all the time. Yeah. So that's brilliant as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's very important to me. And um, you have a few uh, top tips that you can share with us. And so I would encourage the audience to stay with us because here's the expert in organizing, structuring your business and making it highly successful without you working crazy hours and feeling exhausted. So let's dive right into it here. I already mentioned your story. And your story is touching, it is emotional, but at the same time for me, it's so inspirational. So do share what your story has been and what really got you to where you are right now. Yeah, well, part of the story, because we don't have time for all of the story, but part of the story is that shortly after my daughter was born, her dad left. He ran off with a 23-year-old dog walker. And uh, the kiddo was about, she was about 15 months old at that point. And we were living barely paycheck to paycheck. I had sunk every penny that I had and a small windfall from a lawsuit into a building in New York City into a two-family building because I thought that's the safest thing to do with money, right? You buy real estate in New York City. How could that ever go wrong? Yeah. And so the nutshell version of this is that he left. He pretty much just left. He signed over sole custody. He was in and out for a few years, very sporadically, barely any child support. And then he just disappeared altogether. 
and I lost the building. I couldn't afford the mortgage anymore. So I lost the building. I lost every penny I'd put into it. My daughter and I had to move back in to my old bedroom in my mother's house, uh, who luckily was across the street from my job. At that point, I was waitressing and bartending six to seven nights a week as, as much as I possibly could. So that enabled me to leave the house at night and have my mother with the kiddo. And we were just, you know, even, even waitressing and bartending that much, I still couldn't really make ends meet. We were just in the hole. We were on food stamps and government cheese. And I was also just, I was completely broken. I was emotionally broken. I was physically ill from exhaustion and stress from the breakup. It was really just rock bottom. And that's where it kind of all started. And I mean, the, the story in itself is just so challenging, right? I, when I heard about it or read about it for the first time, I was like, how did she do this? You, you have, a, you call her a kiddo at home, a really young one. You are trying to get over the emotional burden of a man just walking out on you. And at the same time, you don't really, it feels like you don't really have time and focus to even digest all of what has happened yeah. because you just need to earn money and yeah. help you and your, your little daughter survive. Yeah. So, so what helped you in those times? Well, the first thing was just that nothing changed overnight. It took mm. a long time. It took basically three years to really bail out of that emotionally and physically. And some of it was time, you know, when, when she was that old, she was waking up at four in the morning and I often worked until midnight or 1am. So I was getting three to four hours of sleep a night, which I'm not, I'm not a very graceful person without sleep. Some people can do it. I cannot. So, you know, gradually things started changing. I mean, she started sleeping later. I was able to very slowly bail myself out of the financial hole about a year and a half after he left, I started to envision in arms coaching my business because one of the things that I realized was that I didn't want to be in this place for very long. And the other thing that really helped is that I'm not a very patient person when I'm miserable. If, I, if the heat is turned up under me, I get to it. And so I realized that this was not a sustainable way of life for us. And waitressing and doing menial work wasn't going to get me out of where I was. And I also realized that I had this sort of, there was a silver lining to what was happening, which was that he did completely leave. And that meant that I didn't have to worry about shared custody. I didn't have to worry about staying in New York City. I wasn't tied to him. I didn't get support from him anymore, but that was kind of okay, given mm -hmm. who he was. It also meant that we had, she and I had freedom. And so I began to think, well, if I could do anything, if I could move anywhere, if I could be anything, what would I want to do? And that's sort of, that's the blessing that he gave us by walking away. And so I started to envision something else. And I knew that I was stable for a minute. I could stay with my mother. It wasn't ideal, but I could live there. I had a job that was decent. It was keeping my head above water. And as we bailed out, it was beginning to sort of cover our basic needs and I had the luxury of kind of going back to the drawing board. And that's really what helped me realizing that I had choices and his abandonment had given us a kind of fresh, the opportunity for a fresh start. Wow, that's leadership in itself that you recognize mm. that, right? So I heard a few points here. The first point is you recognized what you had and the mm. opportunities that arose for you, even if it was, you know, that your kiddo 
slept at a different time or slept longer, you saw the positives as well in terms of he walking out and basically leaving you to it as well. And, and last but not least, and I find it astonishing saying, what can I do now? Back to the yeah. drawing board, right? The blank canvas. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, is, that shows strength. That mm. is amazing. Thank you. It's always been a philosophy of mine. And this comes from a book that my mother gave me when I was probably 12 or 13, that while we can't control what happens to us, we always retain our control over our reaction to it mm. and what we do with that. And that is perhaps one of the most powerful perspectives that I think we can bring to anything, you know, okay, it didn't go the way it planned. And there are pieces of this that I have no control over, but I do have control over what I'm going to do with it now and how I'm going to choose to see it. And that's been, that has been a priceless tool for me, not just in my personal life, but also in my business, because that, as you know, also doesn't always go the way we think it's going to. And, you know, the real, the real, power of resilience is in choosing how you're going to react to that and how you're, you know, what you're going to do with what has landed in front of you. Yeah. And what I would add to it is why it has happened to you and how you can get that out of the situation almost as a bigger, wiser person. A lot of people say resilience is all about bouncing back, right? And it's an element to it, but how can we grow through this experience, which you have yes. clearly done? And you mentioned in arms coaching already, which you're going to talk about in a short moment. Yeah. That wasn't the first time that you went through challenges though in your life. Nope. I know you said you can't share your entire story, but I would like to go back just very briefly to your teenage times mm -hmm. when you spend time on the street. Yep. Right. Yeah. I was a runaway. I was... I drank constantly. I was drug addicted for a while. I lived with the Hells Angels when I was 19. I really ran rough from about 12 or 13 until I probably came out of it around 21 or 22. Which are such important years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're your formative years and I spent them in the, you know, in the gutters of 1980s New York City, which was a quite a different place than it is now. It was, it was dangerous. It was, it was a really dangerous city in the eighties in the seventies and eighties. Absolutely. That's when the mobsters were still going strong, right? Hell's kitchen was mm -hmm. not the same way it is now and so on and so forth. So what did that experience teach you for your future success and the way you have been shaped that, that became this, mm -hmm. this new you? That's a great question. I mean, it, it taught me adaptation. It taught me how to adapt. It taught me that no matter how far down I fell, I really did want to come out of it, which I don't think was the case for all of the kids that I was around. Many of those kids did not make it. Many of them died. Uh, there are very few that came out of the social network that I was in. Uh, many of them wound up in prison and drug addicted and you know, and eventually overdosing or suiciding. And so it really taught me that as upset and as, as messed up as I was as a teen, I really did want to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that I always had a vision of who I wanted to be and coming that close to harm and death on a consistent and regular basis really helped me to connect with that and say, you know, this, unlike some of my friends on the streets, 
I don't think this is it. And I really think that there is something better out there. So it taught me to fight as well. Mm. I mean, it just, it taught me so many things. It really taught me about my heart and that I knew that I had a bigger mission, which I think also was a guiding light out of those, out of those tunnels. It taught me a lot about who I was as a human being. Mm. And it taught me that I have something that attracts other people which I wasn't able to really use as a tool when I was younger, but I really came into in my 20s and 30s, particularly my 30s, that there was something about me that I could use for good. And it took me a long time to really pull that out. But I think I started to see it in those days. Mm. And again, you highlight such an amazing level of strength, inner strength, inner power. And at the same time, I get goosebumps just talking about it, right? Um, a level of self-leadership by describing you had a vision of yourself. You kind of could imagine yourself, kind of you imagine yourself as the, as the human. You were diving into your heart as well, who you were as a human from a, an emotional perspective. And as a leader, the vision can change. And I think for mm -hmm. most people, it does change, right? With our experiences, but you stuck to checking in with yourself to experience mm. yourself and yeah. not to give up on yourself, which yeah. a lot of, as you said, people did at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was very rich in learning. And I think that a lot of that I was able to come back to in the time when the kid's dad left and sort of pull back on those resources again. Yeah. How has motherhood shaped you? Oh my goodness. So beautifully. She is just the best thing that has ever happened to me. I know that people always say this in relationships and it's so cheesy, but she really does make me, she's made me want to be a better person from the time I got pregnant with her. And she's just also made me believe in magic. I mean, when she was put into my arms, I had a very stressful pregnancy and an incredibly stressful birth. But from the second she was put into my arms, I knew her and I knew that I had known her always. And I was just like, here's this old soul that has come back and we get to do this again. It was just, it was inexplicable. I can't really describe it, but she's just the best thing. She is the reason that I've fought for everything that we have. And, you know, knowing that she's watching me makes me an infinitely better person for mm -hmm. sure in a way that I've never been inspired to, you know, to change or evolve for anyone else. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. She just turned 15 and she's just, She's just my favorite person to be with. She's the funniest person I know. She's just, she's just amazing. Oh, it sounds like you're having a great relationship with her as well. Yeah. Which I don't think every mother says about the 15 year old. No, mine certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> mine neither. So I was just thinking about it. I'm like, no, nah, that would have been the last thing they have said about me. Yeah. And I wish the audience could have seen your face now. It was just shining. It was just so beautiful to see this big, 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 big smile on your lips. Um, lovely. Oh, yeah. She is my heart. You mentioned that you took your experience, especially after her father left, and really turned this into your new life. I call it that way. And you found it in Arms Coaching. I really love that name. Where does it come from? 
So in arms coaching is a reference to the fact that in the very beginning, in arms coaching was parenting coaching. So in arms is an attachment parenting term, which was loosely, not dogmatically, but loosely the philosophy of parenting that I used with Bella when she was little. And I really loved it. Well, in the beginning, it applied because I was doing parenting coaching in the very beginning. And then the women who were coming to me for parenting support also wanted more general life sort of support. So in arms coaching turned into life coaching, but it still felt like in arms applied because that's how I want my client. That's how I wanted my clients to feel when they were working with me. And then about, it was probably about eight years ago that it morphed into its, well, I was going to say final stage, but who knows? It morphed into its current stage, which is business coaching. And I still kept it because I know from all the feedback that I get and the testimonials that my clients feel held, not just by me now, but my, by a whole team of women. And so every time I sort of reevaluate, does in arms really make sense? It still makes sense because it's still how I want my clients to feel. And it's very much on brand for the type of surround sound support that in arms coaching provides. And tell us a little bit about the people you support. So who is approaching you and wants your help? Oh, the women I work with are amazing. They're mm-hmm. just the best women. I I have to really restrain myself when I'm, you know, kind of quote on vacation because <laughs> I see them in the groups and I see them shouting out things and I really want to jump in. And it's just very hard for me to stay away from them and keep strong boundaries around my time off. But they're amazing women. You know, they're all entrepreneurs or creatives or business owners and they're all out of the box. So they, none of them do, some, do anything that no one else has ever done, mm-hmm. but they all do things that many people are doing in a really out of the box, unique way. Mm-hmm. They're all magical, strong, brilliant, creative women. They're all really invested in sisterhood and creating community and giving other women a hand up as they climb they're just the most amazing women. I feel so incredibly lucky to support them. They tend probably statistically to be about 60% in the coaching or health and wellness fields. But I also have, you know, authors and, you know, other women who are in other unique building skills, you know, women who work with animals. So there are also a, a smattering of other really unique professions. And obviously they seek your support, right? What I often experience is that people seek our support who they res- when they resonate with us. Mm-hmm. They, they resonate with the story, um, with your style. It's really a, about you, right? Yeah. And how you communicate your, the support you can give. So you have worked with so many women what are your general observations? What are the key challenges they, they have and they share with you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one is definitely around time and how to spend and manage their time. So the women that I work with are multi-passionate and they have a lot going on. Most of them have families. Many of them have young children they all have either a business or a professional endeavor. And then they also often have a really rich 
personal life with passion projects mm -hmm. or side projects or nonprofits that they want to start or grow. They're really busy women. So I would say that one of the first things that they want help with is understanding how to use their time so that they can maximize the impact that they're having and of course the income that they're able to bring in. So they're often when they come to me trying to do eight things at once and we begin a process of kind of whittling that down and focusing on you know, I, I like to say it's very much like juggling. We have the ability to juggle 10 balls at a time, but we never do it by throwing all the balls into the air, mm -hmm. right? We throw one in at a time. And once that one gets up and going, then we can add another one. And that's what I teach women to do with their time. So I'd say that's the first issue they come to me with. The second issue that they come to me with is that many of the women that I work with have worked either with other coaches or in other coaching style programs and have been really disappointed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them have joined programs that were kind of mass produced or for as many women as the, the coach could get into the program at the time. And they gave a lot of content, but not necessarily any handholding or mentorship. So a lot of the women that come to me have signed up for coaching program after coaching program after coaching program when what they really needed was mentorship. And there's a huge difference between coaching and mentorship. Absolutely. The mentorship that we offer includes coaching, but it is very handheld. And because a lot of the women, because all the women who come to me are very unique, they don't flourish with spoon-fed content delivered in videos and PDFs. They really need to understand a, how to do their unique thing, but also what their inner blocks and forms of sabotage and fears are. Because as women, we uniquely come to business ownership with a whole bunch of baggage that men, I don't, I don't know that much about men. Either they don't have it or they're not like, they don't think about it as much. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. But we have fears and blocks and beliefs that are culturally implanted in our brains. And it really doesn't matter where in the world you grow up. If you grow up in a woman's body, you have these fears and beliefs and blocks, and they're really detrimental to getting a thriving business off the ground and up into the air. So blocks around visibility, blocks around claiming our brilliance and asking for the value of what we offer. I mean, those are just two examples, but they're huge hurdles because in order to be successful in your business, you have to be visible to the people who need you yeah. and you have to understand and claim the value of your brilliance. And those are two things that often as girls, we are discouraged or even punished for doing. So an e-course or spoon-fed content on getting visible isn't going to help a woman who's really struggling with the question of whether or not she is safe being visible. It's not going to help. So I'd say that those are the two things that women are really struggling against when they come with me that we focus a lot of time and support on. So you mentioned two very, very important um, challenges. One was time. And the other one was visibility as a part of all the blocks and sabotaging self-beliefs that we carry inside of us. And I'm absolutely with you. There's difference between men and women, whereby I see a slight tendency as well with men nowadays to fall into some of those limiting beliefs as well, maybe because we give more opportunity and platforms to share mm -hmm. more about it. But it's definitely something that's ingrained in women. You have a formula that helps 
women to stand out and to become more visible. So I don't know how much you can share here about the formula, but if you can share a top tip, then that would already be helpful so that the women who are listening can really go away and say, okay, I'm intrigued by that. I'm going to give that a go. Okay. Here's the one. Obviously, when a woman comes to me and says that she needs to be more visible, and she won't say she needs to be more visible. She'll say she needs help marketing. She'll say her programs or offerings aren't selling. She'll say that her community isn't growing. Those are all problems that are associated with lack of visibility. She'll say that her income isn't where she wants it to be or she can't get the clients that she wants. There are many different strategies that we employ. But one of my favorite tools, and this is often one of the first ones that I'll work with women on, is to flip it and say, what do you absolutely love about not being visible? What do you absolutely love about people not being able to find you or people not seeing you? Because one of the magical tools that I work with women around is what I called, well, I didn't name it, but what's called divided will. And this all comes from a brilliant woman's work who I'm studying under now. Her name is Carolyn Elliott. And she does these amazing witchy courses, influence, wealth, money, thrill. Those are four of them. She's really brilliant. So she talks a lot about the concept of divided will. And that is simply that for anything that we say we want, There's a part of us that finds that either scary or finds a reason for us to be resistant to it. So I talk about this with my teenager all the time because she wants to, you know, she might want to do like a love spell. And I'll say, well, listen, kiddo, here's the thing that you have to realize. If what you say you want is someone to date and that's not showing up, then you have to assume that there's a part of you that doesn't want someone to date right? Because we are immensely magical creatures. We are incredible manifestors. If you're not getting what you say you want, there's a part of you that's blocking that. Mm. So in terms of visibility, one of the ways to sort of flush out where your will is divided is to flip it and say, okay, if I say I want more clients and more clients are not coming, then A, I need to look at all the external strategies for how to be more visible and get more clients. But it is a grave mistake to not also look at, well, what do I love about not having a lot of clients? Does it mean that I don't have to face my fear of signing up a client and then having them say they're dissatisfied? Mm -hmm. Does it mean that I don't have to face my fear of attracting trolls if I'm much more visible on social media? Does it mean that I don't have to face my fears... um, you know, for a lot of women who come to me and aren't making much money and are used to not making much money, and they say they want to vastly increase their income, well, that means that they're going to pay a lot more taxes. Mm -hmm. That's really scary for a lot of women. That was scary for me. I reached a point in my business where I had government health insurance for myself and the kid. I had food stamps and I was at that cusp where if I made any more money, I was going to lose all of my benefits yet that little bit of money wouldn't allow me to purchase them for myself. Mm. So I reached a point where I realized I say I want more money, but at this moment, if I earn more money, my kid's not going to have health insurance because it would have to be a lot more money for me then to be able to afford private health insurance. So I had a very real fear of signing on three more clients because that would tip the scales and I wouldn't get assistance anymore. So the first tip that I would say is that if, what you want isn't happening, 
before you start to look at all the external strategies and tools, look at how you're invested in it not happening. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that when you can see it clearly, you can begin to work with it. If you can't see it clearly, you're basically trying to drive your car 60 miles an hour with the emergency brake engaged. And you're going to mess up your car and you're not going to get to 60 miles an hour. And it's going to be very frustrating. And it's so hard to be so honest with yourself in that moment. I've experienced something similar without the food stamp, but very similar in terms of, okay, if I go there now, you know, how, what impact on tax and so on does it have? And I asked myself the question, what do I really want? Why am I stopping myself? And I knew deep within I was stopping myself. And I found that really hard. And the only person I talked about that to was my other half. Mm-hmm. And I was literally tearing up and I didn't know where it came from. And I said, I actually don't know if I want that, that particular yes. path. Yes. And to say that was really hard in that moment because we are proud people as well, right? We don't want to fail necessarily and show it to the world. <laughs> being visible. Yeah. But at the same time, there was the sense of liberation to say, oh, I have choices. Yes. And actually the choice is not just about, okay, I need to make more money. It's exactly what you said. It is okay to say, maybe this is fine because it it helps me to live a life as I want to live it. Yeah. So what you're saying is exactly why it's so important to see this because for years, women can struggle with what they say they want. When if you're not being really honest with yourself, A, you're not sure if it's what you really want, but B, you're spinning your wheels. It takes so much more energy. Something happen when your will is divided. You can clear that all up and then have all your energy be unhindered and unfettered and just be able to really dedicate it all because you're clear in your heart about what you want and you've loved and accepted the fears so that they're not in shadow anymore. It's when they're in shadow that you're spending twice as much energy for half as much result. And the other thing that you said about it being really hard, that's why you don't want to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. That's why you want mentorship. And that's why an e-course or a PDF might not help if you've really got divided will and you haven't explored it. And it is hard. It's humbling. It's scary. It's upsetting. Some of us don't want to acknowledge, you know, where those fears came from or the fact that we might be the only thing in our way. That's a, that's a big concept. Absolutely. I fully agree. And I think it's important not to try to do it by yourself. Yes. And it's lovely that you highlight this combination between mentoring and coaching. Because as you said, they are so different. Sometimes we simply need someone to do the hand-holding and not only, and, and I'm a coach, so I really, really love the nature of coaching. Someone who holds up the mirror, who challenges you, who asks powerful questions. Yeah. But sometimes it's just important yes. to hear a few, to hear some shared experiences, to say, look, what you can try is that. And to bring that human element yeah. of mentoring into the game as well. So Yeah, yeah. well, and I also think, I think that there's a big difference between what you do. I mean, real coaching and mentorship are very similar. There are a lot of programs out there that are said to be coaching programs, Mm -hmm. but they're more spoon-fed content. Mm -hmm. And I don't think one is better than the other. I just think that it's important that the folks listening understand what they need. Like I don't learn from spoon-fed content at all. I learn from someone like a coach working with me, interacting, 
doing experiential exercises with me. Coaching or mentorship is great for me. The coaching programs that are more content don't help me at all. And they don't help many women when they're actually stuck. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So when you work with the women you are working with, do you do that in in groups, building communities or mainly one-to-one? What's your ratio there? Mostly groups. I have two group program, Biz Elementals and the Alchemy of Success Circle. Mm-hmm. And most 90% of the women that I work with go into one of those two programs. I do do a little bit of VIP coaching. Not very much because it requires a big time commitment from me. Uh, so I only keep a couple of slots open at a time. And it's, it's a healthy investment as well. And that's generally more of a three-month program where we really turn everything upside down and put it back together again within three months, but mostly one of those two group programs. So it's really nice because they have, they have a community of other amazing women to work with, which is just so much of the experience for them. But as always, it requires obviously the women taking action, showing up and being there for the community as well. Right. Yeah. You mentioned a few times your own boundaries. So in terms of how many VIP clients you, for example, accept, you mentioned a vacation before, and as much as you love the women, you need to be very careful about your time. And you run two businesses. You have a dog rescue business as well. Let's not forget yeah. about it, right? Yeah. You have your kiddo. I love that you call it. <laughs> you are a partner to someone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you have your own life, right? Your social life and so on. So it's important that you manage your own time. Yeah, And you do that as uh, far as I've read, at least in under 40 hours of working time. Oh yeah. I mean, the rescue, to be fair, the dog rescue is timeless. It dog rescue by its very nature runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. However, I've created a whole team of women who work under me and each hold a different part of the rescue. Mm -hmm. So unlike any other rescue worker or rescue owner that I know, I can absolutely check out and remove myself. We were just up in the woods in Northern Maine for four days, with no cell service, and everything is fine because my team is running it. But delegation has been a huge part of me being able to work less than a 40-hour work week consistently and yet keep adding things. So we have the nonprofit dog rescue. I have Interim's Coaching, which is also run by a team of women. And there are three other coaches under me. So while I'm out for these three weeks, my team coaches are in the group supporting the women. There's the kid and her 17-year-old stepsister. Mm -hmm. There's four pit bulls and nine chickens and eight acres of land and a big house that always needs something. And then I do a lot of my own studying. I'm taking a course with Carolyn Elliott that's really time intensive, a lot of magical study. I need... Pilates so that my body doesn't hurt. I need to be with my my best friends so that my soul is soothed. But my time management systems have made it possible to keep adding things to my life without working more. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned delegation in particular. You build teams. Yes. And I think that's really important as to whether you're in corporate, you're a business owner to start trusting other people, to select people that really fit into your business from a cultural, from a value perspective, but from a skills perspective as well. And to be able to let go and to say, I trust you to do this work. Yeah. You can do it. 
Yeah. That's key, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It can be done. It it just takes a different skill set and and it takes getting out of your own way and understanding what your investment may be in being in your own way. Yeah. Sorry. Which I work on continually, like almost on a daily basis. I look at what I don't want about what I say I want. So you do your own work on a regular basis. Oh yeah. Constantly. Yeah. That's the amazing part that people can get from their mentors and coaches because we never stop learning, right? Just because you have to title coach doesn't mean you are perfect. You know it all. We learn with you as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think that when looking for a coach or a mentor, you should be really wary of that. You should be making sure that the person that you're looking to for guidance is doing their own work and they are walking their own talk. And there are a lot out there that are not. And I think that that's really important. You have to, anything that we can lead others through, we have to walk through ourselves and possibly still be walking through in some ways, shapes or forms. So I think that that's really important. 100%. Fantastic. That was a fantastic way to take us to the end of today's show. So make sure that you really know the person you consider to work with. Coaches and mentors can be so, so powerful, but exactly as Pritchard said, you make sure that they are role models as well and that you can connect with them, that they can hold your hands but challenge you at the same time. And what I always say is the chemistry needs to be right. You want to feel safe with this person. You really need to open up, right? You need to be able to talk about your inner fears and challenges. So make sure that this person really resonates with you and you with this person. So take your time to choose the right one. If you notice it may not be the right one, well then just, you know, turn it around, look for someone else. That's Mm -hmm. how it works. Well put. Brit. I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today, for sharing so openly and so honestly your amazing and incredible journey. It hasn't always been amazing, but how you turned it around is just an inspiration for myself and I'm sure for the listeners as well. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much, I could have talked to you for hours. You're a great interviewer and this was just so much fun. So thank you for the opportunity to connect with your audience. Absolutely. Thank you. And do let the audience know where they can find you. Sure. So my website is just inarmscoaching.com, all one word. I am very active on Facebook. So Brit, B-R-I-T-T, Bolnick, B as in boy, O-L-N-I-C-K. You can find me there. And you can always go to the website and use the contact form to drop a note. There are a couple freebies up on there that one around time specifically that will really help. Uh, So please grab anything that's useful to you there. Yeah, please do that. Um, This woman has such a treasure of freebies, of formulas, of top tips. So you should really take Brit up on it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today again. I'm sure you've taken a lot with you. And give it a go and experiment with it. Seek Brit's support if you believe that's the right way for you to go, right? She's got a lot to offer. We are going to publish all the social media channels and contact channels, obviously, in the show notes on iTunes and on my website. 
And what I want from you is your feedback. As always, do let us know what you think about the show, what you want to hear a little bit more about or less about even, and general challenges you may be facing, we can help you with. So get in touch, right? That's what we are here for. Until then, have a fantastic rest of the week and speak to you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show, either on iTunes, Spotify, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com, so that you can hear more about our next episodes. I would also love to hear from you. To discover what topics you'd like to listen to on this podcast, please head over to kathleenmerkel.com forward slash podcast and let me know. You can also find me on Facebook in the Legendary Leaders Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode of the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Take care. Bye.